Good morning and welcome to our second in our Kingdom Wisdom series in the month of May. And today, as I said uh, already, happy Mother's Day to those for whom it can be. And I personally just want to give a quick little shout out to two very important mothers in our family, Amy's mother, Chanel. Thank you for being such a wonderful uh, example to Amy and your other daughters, as well as an incredibly fun, caring, loving Nana to our children. And we are very blessed to have you in our family, as anyone is to have you around them. Thank you so much for being who you are, and we love you, Nana. Also, I want to give a shout out to my mother, Karen, who, as I mentioned before, had to even cancel her trip to come out to Oregon to see her favorite daughter-in-law. She only has one daughter-in-law, by the way. And to see her favorite grandchildren. She only has my children as grandchildren. And to see her favorite son. I'm her only son, by the way. Anyway, uh, Mom, I know that you have been through a ton of stuff in the last couple of years, but thank you so much for being such a steadfast, uh, loving presence in me and uh the girls' lives, and thank you so much for always wanting to be there for us, love us, and, and guide us the best you can. So I love you, and just thank you for being who you are as well. We love you both so, so much. As I mentioned, we are in the midst of a very, uh, very appropriately and very hopefully very simply named series called Kingdom Wisdom uh, in the entire month of May. And last week, we actually talked about how the fact that the entire Old Testament, and as we'll find out, spoiler alert, as we'll find out, the entire Bible is actually wisdom literature. Now, we have uh, created this division of scripture called wisdom literature. That's actually a very modern uh, I don't want to say invention, but it's a very modern assignment. All of Scripture is wisdom literature, and we will explain that as we go. Last week, we looked specifically at Adam and Eve and their choice of taking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or as we talked about last week, maybe better aptly said, the tree of good and bad, the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. We looked at the fact that the choice is not simply to obey or disobey God, but the choice was really to how they were going to attain wisdom in their role as the image of God on this earth. And what we came to last week was that the choice represented whether they were going to take wisdom and learn things God's way, or learn things our way or their way? How are they going to learn who they were? How are we going to learn itself? How they were going to take wisdom? And it's a choice that all of us face all the time, whether to take what we desire, what we foresee as good, as Eve did, and take knowledge and wisdom ourselves, or to walk past that choice and take from the tree of life, trusting in God to teach us his way. And if you didn't go, if you haven't watched that sermon, I do invite you to go back. It's online at 2020circle.com, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, feel free to pause this sermon even right now and go watch it and uh, come back and keep watching when you're ready. Just kidding. That's important, and we're going to build on these themes. I'm half warning you, just half prefacing. We're going to build on these themes uh, we're going to build quite a bit on these themes in the coming weeks, so I do invite you to get familiar with last week's sermon as well as this sermon today. 
In perusing the internet and looking around for, for things uh, and studying and, 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 and how people view wisdom, I keep coming across, I keep coming across these things anyway, but I keep coming across these things which some of them are ridiculous, some of them never work, and yet we keep hearing about them, and they're life hacks. And as this picture says, uncommon solutions to some of our most common problems. My response is, yeah, right, but I will humor the life hat picture for a second uh, because I have collected a, a little plethora of life hacks that I've found, uh, which you will have to judge whether they are really solutions <laughs> or not. For example, a do-it-yourself smoke alarm. For the record, I am not condoning anything of these examples that I put up here. I'm just showing you what I found. Don't put it in the baby's room, obviously. Although if I saw this at someone's house, I'd be very tempted to uh, to try to get a snack somehow. Uh, moving on. Anyway, <laughs> here's a health-related one. Eggs are really healthy and should be the foundation of your diet. Don't like the taste? Add some cacao, flour, butter, and bake for 30 minutes. Hmm. I like this one. Now, my wife is a, uh, is a baker, uh, culinary school educated baker, and uh, let me just say, we get our, we get, a, we get a lot of eggs in our diet. Eggs. Moving on. <laughs> if you forgot your uh, ruler to geometry class, but you brought your breakfast, here's somebody who's a life hack. Bring a Pop-Tart with you everywhere you go instead of a ruler. You can decide if that's worth anything on your own. Now, I've actually heard of someone using this, uh, and I will reserve what they said, how it went. If you want to try it yourself, your shower head go bad, or you buy a house or have an apartment without one, well, simply get a water bottle, poke some holes in it, and uh, you have a DIY shower head for you. Hopefully, you would rinse out any soda or anything else that was in it first. Life hacks don't mean common sense. Anyway, moving on. Uh, if you have had an accident with a, a deer or an animal or something stationary and you just you still want to drive at night, but you don't have the time or inclination to fix your headlamp, say no more. Here you go. I don't, this picture didn't come with guidance on how to turn them on in transit, but uh, I'm sure people are clever. Now, hopefully some of these are tongue-in-cheek. I sure hope some of these are tongue-in-cheek. Uh, <laughs> some of these are not, however, and this next one I have seen over and over and over. I've actually tried. And let me tell you this thing, saying that you put the toilet paper roll on your speakers and your phone and it amplifies the sound, it does not work. In fact, it muffles the sound and makes it sound horrible. Also along with this, this does not work. It looks eh, cool. It doesn't work at all. You can try it if you want. I've actually tried this one because I, I don't know why. It doesn't work. Hopefully you'll have better luck. Maybe it was just human error. Speaking of human error, we've had a, uh, a hands-free restriction on cell phones and such in Oregon for a while. Perhaps you've seen someone try this. I'll just move on. I've also heard of someone doing this, and I heard mixed results about it. Personally, I think toasters deserve better, but that's a whole other story. Uh, Turn the toaster sideways and get grilled cheese if you don't have a way to grill it. Otherwise, try it. It may work. Maybe maybe you'll have better luck than the people I heard it from. Uh, finally, last but not least, I actually think this one, I agree with the caption. I think this is actually rather genius. Maybe just because I'm a dad. Uh, if you can't see, this is a rake with s'mores on it and uh, marshmallows on the tines over a fire. I actually think that's pretty cool. Amy, I think we might need to try that this week. You're thinking about which of these you want to try now, aren't you? Please don't yet. Stick around for a little while. You'll have all afternoon 
to try some of these life hacks if you want. Stick around for a little bit. Now, what's the point of starting with this? Well, because maybe a bit tongue-in-cheek, as I said, but, but some of these are considered to be what wisdom is. Trying to make life easier. Trying to make life better. Trying to find the secret sauce that, that answers problems and, and helps things. Wisdom, well, maybe that's a part of it, I think most of us hopefully know is much more than that. And biblically is much more than that. But the thing is I also want to get across in the sermon is that wisdom is not just about the knowledge of things, much like life hacks. You have this problem, you think a way to do it. It also actually matters what it is and how you go about it and what the solution is. Wisdom is about much more than simply life hacks making life easier. So what is wisdom? Well, let's, let's jump right into it. Wisdom, all through the Old Testament, 149 times, is this word, chokmah. It's a fun word to say. Many Hebrew words are chokmah. Now, what does chokmah mean? Well, it means wisdom. If you look up Strong's or Thayer's or many, it simply means wisdom. And we have to look at how wisdom is used to dis- discern its bigger meaning. Wisdom is and does have an element of knowledge. But one of the neatest ways that it's used in Scripture, which I think is very on purpose, very much on purpose, well, it's obviously on purpose because it's in Scripture, is in, actually, it's talked about as something which God uses and, and by the very nature of using it, implants it into the very fabric of the universe. Don't believe me? Well, let's read from Proverbs chapter 8, starting in verse 22 through 31. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Now, he's, the writer here is anthropomorphizing wisdom, as he does Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, uh, as well as some other things in Scripture. And so it's not like another god or not like another being with God, but he's taking what, the, what wisdom is. It's not like this other force or anything, but he's taking what wisdom is, and we'll explain that in just a minute, and saying this is how God uses it, all right? So the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Before the deeds of old, I was formed long ages ago. At the very beginning, when the world came to be, when there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there. When he set the heavens in place, when, I marked out the, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary, so the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now, once again, he's not talking about this other ethereal force, but he's talking about how God uses his own wisdom that comes from him. He created it, attained it, acquired it, but then used it in the very creation of the cosmos, in the very creation of everything. So what does this tell us? Well, it tells us a couple things. It tells us that chokmah is not just knowledge. Chokmah is actually a godly characteristic that comes from God, but also is something that humans can attain and use. We knew this from the garden. But it tells us something much more. And once again, it isn't like a metaphysical force. It's not like Star Wars or it's the Jedi using the force, and it's not karma. It's not anything like that. But Hulkma 
is what God actually used and put as a thread in the very fabric of the universe and of the world. Now God, you know, put himself into it and he used wisdom and put wisdom into the very nature of things, into the very fabric and nature of the cosmos. Now this may seem a little bit crazy until we look at the extended you know, version of what chokmah is. But just think about that for a second. What an amazing thing about that, that the world by its nature, by being created by God, has within its inner workings already the wisdom of God. It's a pretty cool thought, if you ask me. <laughs> the thing is, though, we have to realize, and I alluded to this already, is that chokmah is not just about head knowledge. It can't be. Chokmah is head knowledge, what you know, combined then, and we see this even from this example already, God not just knowing something, but then doing something with it. Chokmah is taking what you know and using it in a certain way, using it for skills, using it in action, using it in characteristics. And we see that once again from the beginning. God creates it, and uses it, knows it, and then uses it in something. And this applies to us. True wisdom is not just knowing something, but it's actually doing something with it. Actually putting it into action. Maybe even testing it if you want to use that way. It's not true wisdom until you know that it can be used correctly. A biblical example of this is the fact that actually the, when the Bible talks about the craftsmen and the workers and skilled workers that actually worked on the temple, the Bible says that they had chokmah. Now look at here, 1 Chronicles 28, 21. The divisions of the priests and Levites are ready for all the work on the temple of God, and every willing person skilled in any craft will help you in all the work. The officials and all the people will obey your every command. This is the people reporting to Solomon. Now, the word for this phrase in Hebrew, for every willing person skilled in any craft, or skilled craftsman as some translations say. This is the word chokmah. Those who have chokmah at something. Those who have wisdom in something. Which implies what? Not just that you know about something, but that you are skilled at it. Skilled stonemasons, skilled carpenters, skilled financial analysts, skilled engineers, skilled doctors and physicians. Those who are able to combine their knowledge as well as their skill, have chokmah. Being able to take something and bridge the gap between knowledge and skill. Knowledge and action. And this is important, I think, because many claim to have wisdom, except they never do anything about it. Or, many claim to have wisdom, except when you see them actually work, it's obvious they don't. You've seen, I'm sure, both of those things in your life. So, knowledge and skills. But here's the thing, and this is maybe arguably the most important thing. There's a third element to biblical chokmah. In addition to the knowledge and the skills that comes from that, true chokmah is about the moral stance in which or the moral direction, moral purpose for which you use that knowledge and your skills. There is a moral element every time 
all the time to biblical wisdom, to biblical chokmah. And if it's not there, it's not true wisdom. So what do I mean by this? Well, what if you work in finance? Now, we have experienced some of these things in recent years. Um, take the Bernie Madoff pyramid scheme. He was smart. He had the skills. And this is obvious. He used those knowledge and those skills to break people, to ruin them of their finances, to ruin them financially and to get rich. That's wrong. Hokuma. Say you're a carpenter and you use your knowledge and use the skills to make beautiful wood, except you overcharge or you try to scourge prices and you're not using biblical hokmah. Whatever it is, however it is, your knowledge and your skills combine. You're considered a fool if you don't use it for good, for moral good, for godly good. And as I just said, hokmah used wrong means you're a fool. And that's the biblical term used over and over and over again. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how good you are at your craft. If you're using it wrong, if you're using it for evil, and that's the thing, not even the purely evil, if you're using it not to better mankind, to better the world, to, to be the steward in the image of God, for using it for godly purposes, you're a fool. Interestingly enough, a little bit of a wordplay humor again. You look at this proverb, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice, something we would consider to be wisdom, to be sure. It's interesting, biblically, you know what this word is in Hebrew? It's the word that literally translates to this, evil. Or if you translate it into English, evil. <laughs> Those who don't use chokmah in their stewardship of being an image bearer of God, who don't use it in a good way, in a good sense for their fellow man, or who use it to attain selfish things, wrong things, evil things, are evil. Fools. Take just a few minutes, if you would, 90 seconds. Just pause to consider where we've come so far. Whether, whoever you're with, whether you're with your cat or your dog or your family, or even just you and God, consider this for a second. Why do you think that it matters that all three of these levels, knowledge, skills, and morality, and morals, are part of true godly wisdom? Why are they important? Why are they intrinsic? And why is that true wisdom as opposed to not? Take 90 seconds if you would. True biblical wisdom, true biblical chokmah, combining knowledge, skills, and morals. This is important. This is important in many reasons, but it's important initially because it makes Christianity and attaining wisdom, godly wisdom, not what many people, even Christians, have made it about. So many people look at Proverbs even, look at the Bible, look at the New Testament, look at, at God, 
and think it's all about knowing the rules so that I don't get zapped or don't get smashed or don't get sent to hell or don't have punishment sent on me. Biblical chokmah, biblical wisdom is not just about knowing the rules, but just as much knowing that, but then understanding how to use them, when to use them, and why to use them. There's a metaphor from a professor called Michael Fox. Instead of a rule book, which many people have equated the Bible to, Biblical wisdom is more like a pocket full of change in that the rules of mathematics are constant. Yes? You know that a quarter is 25 cents, four quarters equals a dollar, ten dimes, ten cents equals uh, a dollar, two nickels, you know, all these things. But yet you can't just throw a handful of change at things or a handful of money at things and go, boom, there's the solution. You have to know how and when to use what change you have in your pocket. And you have to have wisdom in how to discern how to even get that change in the first place, which is what a lot of this is really about. Think about that for a second. Biblical wisdom is more like change in your pocket and using it that way as opposed to simply knowing the rules. Now, this may seem a little bit odd to you, but we can prove it almost too easily from Proverbs itself. Consider for a second Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. This is a very famous proverb couplet. And the first one says, verse 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. It's very simple. Sometimes people are not really interested in talking and debating. They just want to prove their point. <coughs> Social media. <coughs> they just want to get it out there. And so this proverb is saying, you know, don't even answer a fool, otherwise you're just going to spout off like the fool. The interesting thing is that the very next proverb says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So this proverb on its own says sometimes you need to answer a, someone who's not right so that way he can learn, so that way uh, he don't, doesn't think more of himself than he ought to, so that way he can be corrected. Now the thing is these are right next to each other in scripture. This is Proverbs 26, 4, and 5. And people might read this and go, this is contradictory right away. No, it's wisdom. Because you have to sometimes use verse 4 when you won't use verse 5, and you sometimes you have to use verse 5 when you won't use verse 4, and you have to learn to discern the difference in a morally just way. This is skill development. This is what this is a preacher soapbox. This is really what church should be. Not just that we come and check off some boxes, even if we don't think about that way, and not just that we come and do it. And, and it should really be about learning what it means to become wisdomed kingdom Christians. And we should help each other develop and learn and, and, and dare I say, disciple each other in becoming more like Christ, which is the wisdom of God. I'm getting to the end of my sermon, but you know, I'm getting excited. This is what church should be helping each other to discern godly, have the skills in a godly way, moral way. Sometimes you have to answer a fool, sometimes you don't. Here's how you tell the difference. Oh, if, what if church was like that? And I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's finish this sermon for a little bit here before I go off. We'll get to that actually, uh, maybe coming up. So, that actually segues a little bit into the point, though. How do you get this wisdom? How do you go about attaining this wisdom? Well, the answer is, once again, in Proverbs. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hmm. What is and how does the fear of the Lord help us? Because after all, some people do fear God. They fear getting zapped. They fear being sent to hell. They fear His wrath. And they fear a great many things. The fear of the Lord is not about fearing the Lord's punishment or fearing His wrath or fearing His anger by any means. And actually, the base word for fear in Hebrew is a word which is better translated to revere. Biblical chokmah, biblical wisdom, is about fearing what it would mean if you make the wrong choice. Not because you're going to get zapped, not because you're going to be, be punished, but fearing the implications, fearing you know, not holding up to your, to your um, account as image bearers, not fulfilling your role in the kingdom. Fear of the Lord means the same as the fear of a parent, not wanting to let them down, not wanting to disappoint them, wanting to learn from them and be all that you can be and knowing the fact that God will hold you accountable for seeking his wisdom or not. Will hold you accountable for seeking his wisdom his way or not. Will hold you accountable for seeking your definition of good and bad or his definition. Will hold you accountable for your choices. Will hold you accountable, in essence, for wisdom. And therefore, we ought to hold each other accountable. It shouldn't be a thing that we fear and run away from. It should be a fear we invite because we constantly want to learn and grow in wisdom and godliness. I'm afraid of letting my parents down. I'm afraid of letting my wife down. I'm afraid of letting my family down. That's the kind of fear we're talking about. It's a fear that it can become unhealthy, but inherently it's a healthy fear. It's a reverence. It's a wanting to uphold your responsibility and your stewardship as people made in the image of God. And wanting to fulfill your role in this kingdom that he set us in. In essence, Hokemah leads us back to the same choice that Adam and Eve had. And this is what I was talking about last week. The constant choice to seek God's way or our way. The constant choice to attain knowledge, to learn skills God's way or our way. The constant choice to make our morals based on God us. The choice to let our definitions of good and bad, our definitions of wisdom, our definitions of right and wrong trump God's. Chokmah is about taking of the knowledge in the way that God wants us to in such a way that still allows us to access the gift of eternal life. What do you find the hardest part about choosing God's way of knowing, attaining, and using wisdom in your life? 90 seconds to reflect, if you would. Wisdom. The wisdom of discernment, morals, knowledge, skills, this seems and sometimes it is unfortunately difficult. 
And I hope you can see that biblical wisdom affects every part of our lives. It affects our finances. It affects our jobs. It affects who we are as a father or mother. It affects who we are as a sister and brother, both in our blood families as well as our spiritual families. It affects our relationships with God. And it affects our relationships with ourselves. Biblical wisdom, chokmah, is the foundation for salvation. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Because before we even get to that, I'm sure some people think, wouldn't it be great? This sounds great and it sounds wonderful, but I mean, Adam and Eve messed up. So many people have messed up before me. Wouldn't it be great if we had an example or someone to show us the way and how to do this and how to be and how to, how to live God's wisdom and how to, how to grow in that wisdom and what do we do? We do. Some of you may have noticed that I've spent a lot of time in the Old Testament. I haven't really touched on the New yet. Well, that's because in order to set up just how amazing it is that Christ is called the wisdom of God. And just how amazing it is that Christ showed us what it's like to live the wisdom of God in the flesh. How to choose God's wisdom. How to live God's wisdom. How to institute that knowledge and skills and morals in a life. We need to set up exactly what, what that means. I do invite you back. I don't normally do this, but I do invite you back over the course of the next couple of weeks. Well, we're going to take this foundation that we've started all the way back in the garden at a tree on a high place in the garden and we're going to trace the line of wisdom all the way through up to Christ through him into his church and how Christ shows us how to attain and live that wisdom how that wisdom was fulfilled by the Savior giving us the gift of eternal life on a high place, on a tree. And finally, what our stewardship is, living in the kingdom in this day and age. It's going to be good. If I don't say so myself, I'm not trying. It might not be good, but I'm going to try to make it good. God's word always is good. And so is seeking after his wisdom, which I pray for each one of us each and every day. Holy Father, as we seek to know you closer, may we seek, as we seek to walk by your side each and every day and every choice, help reveal to us through our knowledge, using the skills you've given us, with the power of your Holy Spirit, knowing you as good, just what it means to live in this day and age in your wisdom, by your wisdom, and through your wisdom, that we may be and become the people of God that we can be in you through the blood of your Son. Thank you, God, for giving us this amazing word by which we can learn, that we can grow in, that you can use to transform our lives. And I pray that this week, in every choice that we make, may that word impact those decisions, those discernments we make, and may every decision this week be more in line with your wisdom 
than they were before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.